Straight arrow away. Sit back and enjoy the stroke play of Meg Lanning. This is excellent batting by Ash Gardner. Jonathan strikes again. She's on a hat-trick. She comes at Molyneux. Catch is taken by Perry. The Australian women's cricket team win their fifth T20 World Cup title in front of a magical crowd at the MCG. Hello and welcome to The Scoop. We are the cricket podcast dedicated to the women's game. I'm Emily Collin. And I'm Laura Jolly. LJ, you're in Mumbai. You've been there for, what, two weeks now? Um, A week and a half, I think. Okay, okay. Tell us everything. Like, tell us how it's going. Are you having fun? What are the vibes around the team? We've had two games already, two cracking games of cricket. Tell us all about it. Um, Yeah, it's awesome being back in India. Something about India, I think the the tour is always super memorable. There's always something happening and things are always pretty fun and different. And um, yeah, it's been really good so far. We've had two absolutely cracking matches out at DY Patil Stadium. And I think that's really set up the series for a really exciting finish. Yeah, it's just, I feel like the cricket has been awesome. Like As you said, two awesome games of cricket. It's just annoying for us stuck back in Australia that, if you want to watch it, you have to be uh, off in the middle of the night. But lucky, luckily, we've got KO, which you can catch up on the action for free. Um, but anyway, there's been a lot happening with the team, LJ. We've had, had three debuts over there, which has been so exciting. We've seen Kim Garth, Heather Graham and Phoebe Litchfield all receiving their Aussie caps. And that's because there's been a few injuries and a few sicknesses around the team. But tell us, how, like, what's it, what was it like being there for those cap presentations and seeing some of those players fi- find out that they're going to be making their Aussie debut. Yeah, it's all it's all been pretty hectic so far. So um we had Moons and Darcy go down with illness pretty much as soon as the team arrived. Yeah. So um Moons obviously got up and has been absolutely killing it. But um Darcy has still been working her way back in and I think they they probably wanted to give Kim Garth a go too because um yeah if you're trying to see what your your quicks can do ahead of a World Cup, you've got to play them. So it's been cool to see Kim Garth get that opportunity. Extra special for her to have her parents here, as she's going to tell us about a bit later on the pod. And then, um, yeah, Heather Graham got called, called into the 11 after Jess Johnson unfortunately had to go home with that hamstring injury. And Grace Harris has had a bit of illness too, so that gave Phoebe Litchfield a chance. Wow, it is literally all happening. So many changes. For a team that's been so stable for so long, I, I for one, am pretty pumped to have seen three cat presentations in the last uh, week or so. And just on that, I don't, I'm sure listeners of the scoop follow uh, the cricket.com.au and Aussie women's channels on social media. If you don't, um, obviously you should go and do that. And so you would have seen. Not sure how you found our podcast. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So fans would have seen. Uh, a couple of awesome videos that LJ and Nick um, have been producing over in India and Kim Garth, that was probably a highlight, I reckon. And it was of Shelly Nitschke, the coach, telling Kim that she was making her Aussie debut and just wanted to give Shell a huge shout out for her acting skills, LJ. It just seems like she's been fully into this and just getting right around uh, these wholesome little videos. Yeah, it's been so good to have um, Shell on board and wanting to give fans this access. I think it's really cool. Um, to see her wanting to do that. And yeah, the, the Kim Garth one in particular was quite the covert operation. Shell's biggest priority was obviously that she didn't want to give anything away to Kim. She wanted it to be a surprise. She didn't want to ruin that moment. So yeah. um, we sort of set her up in the, the lounge at the hotel. She was wearing a hidden microphone. We had another microphone hidden near where Kim was going to come and sit. We had three of us around a table nearby pretending to work, but actually pointing a camera towards her. Um, it nearly it nearly got blown a few minutes out because Scott Presswich came up and wanted to chat to us and oh. <laughs> we had to send him on his way and just say, look, we're going to talk to you in a minute, Scott, but please walk away. <laughs> <laughs> we came and stood in front of the camera and we're like, please oh. move on. 
Oh my god, that's so funny. We'll tell you later. Unfortunately, that that all came off, and, and as you can see, Kim's really surprised and had no idea she was being filmed. So that was really awesome. And yeah, Shell really put into it with her acting skills. She's uh, been quite good at foxing and, and not giving it away until the the last second. Oh, it's been absolutely incredible. It's been it's been so good to watch. And yeah, like great for fans to be able to get that little extra insight into into Shell and into how the team operates behind the scenes. So. Yeah, I think it's been it's been really fun to watch. Um, and LJ also just wanted to hear like about the crowds that um, we've seen um, at the two the first two games so far. It looks like it's been absolutely mental inside that stadium. Give us an indication of what it was like to stand inside there. Yeah, it was just incredible. And uh, yeah, I've been doing you a couple of times before, and and one of the biggest disappointments has been really small crowds you sort of what mm. grow up watching these wild crowds attending Indian cricket you see the people the turnouts for IPL and stuff and you want to see that for the girls and, and in 2018 for the match in Mumbai there was basically no one at the stadium and it was a bit of a letdown so it was really cool this time to see it was on the front page of the paper with an ad the day of the first game I don't think there'd been much promotion before that but that seemed mm. to be enough and got 25,000 on Friday night and Clearly the word spread and yeah. that turned into a, a lockout crowd of 47,000 on Sunday and it was so incredibly loud. Yeah. I mean, this is, uh, yeah, that kind of crowd in another country might not be so loud, but in India when you're, they're cheering every single like it's a six. And I think <laughs> it's, you know, it's a tough times for the Aussies out in the field because you the girls kept saying they felt like the momentum was so against them yeah. because every single run has been cheered so loudly. But then they'd look up at the scoreboard and go, Oh no, they they still need ten runs and over. This is like we're not we're not out of this. We're we're in the game. It just doesn't feel like it because of the, yeah. the momentum being created by the crowds. So that's really cool. Um, it's been awesome to see the public getting around it over here. I think it's a really good sign for the women's IPL that people are getting on board so much. Yeah. And yeah, turning to the local journos over here, like that game on Sunday with the Super Over was just such a, a huge moment for Indian women's cricket. Totally, not just because they won, but just because of the the event, the occasion, and how many people were there. Yeah, it looked like a, a seriously awesome occasion. And, yes, it seems like it was a kind of like a bit of a landmark moment for women's cricket in India. And, like, sort of like looking at the Super Over loss, like it was obviously Australia's first loss this year, which is remarkable in itself. But what do you think, like, the sense of the team was after that loss? Like, do you think they'll be devastated or do you think maybe they're kind of okay with with a loss here and there and pretty happy to just keep changing things up as they move towards towards the World Cup. Yeah, I, I wouldn't say devastated. Obviously, no one likes to lose, but they obviously understand the context of this series and yeah, in that they're, they're trying a few different things. They want to be tested. They're going to World Cup. So it's I think they're looking at the positives. Like it's so, so hard to defend in these batting conditions. And mm. they, they basically did. They almost did, even though yeah. they knew they were probably 15 runs short with that first innings total. So I think they were really proud of the way they fought to, to take it that close. Um, and it's a really good good test for them going into a World Cup to be pushed like that. And I guess, you know, when you get to a super over, it is pretty much a toss of the coin who wins that super over. So going to be really good for them. Yeah. And I guess well, for us fans at home, it makes the series pretty exciting. One game apiece. Predictions? What do you reckon is going to happen in the next three games? I think like a lot will come down to the toss. Yeah. Um, which... You know, it isn't a great thing necessarily, but um, I think whoever wins the toss is probably going to end up chasing. Yeah. The conditions are really suited to that. But I, Pretty I tough for think the bowlers, Australia will probably win 3-2. Okay, nice. Nice prediction. Uh, and part of that is, you know, testing a few different combinations. India too, though, are going to have to make changes. They've got 
uh, Shafali and Risha going off to a camp, I think, for the last couple of matches. And Risha's been incredible um, yeah, so far the series, but they've got an under-19 training camp coming up that um, I'm told Crazy. they'll be going to attend. So they may not be part of the last two matches. So okay. both teams are going to be making changes and trying new things, which could also have an impact on the result. Mm, very interesting. Well, LJ, it was great to great to hear your perspective from Mumbai. It's been an awesome series so far, and you guys are killing it with your coverage. Um, I think I speak for all the fans back home that we're love, loving seeing all the snippets from um, the camp in Mumbai. But now we'll let you get back to listening to an awesome chat with Kim Garth, who chats all about her upbringing in Ireland, um, making the big move to Australia back in 2020, and how she eventually got to the point um, here in Mumbai where she was presented her Aussie cap by Elise Perry. So Hope you enjoy. Thanks for listening and enjoy the rest of the series. Kim Garth, welcome to The Scoop for the very first time. Thank you for joining us from Mumbai. We are pumped to have you on um, after you made your debut for Australia, obviously, the other night. So there's lots to cover off. But firstly, just wanted to hear all about how everything's going in India and how you're finding life on your first Australian tour. Yeah, um, thanks for having me, first of all. Um, yeah, it's it's been awesome. Um, you know, I wasn't really sure what to expect coming into a new group, um, and yeah, just an environment, I guess. Um, but it's been it's been absolutely awesome. I feel like um, I've settled in quite nicely, and um, yeah, look to two incre- incredible games of cricket to to start off the tour. So um, yeah, it's been really cool, and um, yeah, it's surreal, I suppose. And, um, I think you've been to India once before. For for listeners who've never been, can you tell us a bit what it's like? Um, over here yeah it's hard to it's funny I was like talking to the family back home and stuff and it's actually hard to describe it unless you just send people videos and, and that kind of thing just in terms of your surroundings but it's just yeah. chaotic just when you go out of the hotel um, it's just a very different environment to you know Australia Ireland or, or um, those kind of places it's uh, yeah there's just obviously a very large population and you know even trying to walk down the street is just mental in terms of traffic and there's just people and cars everywhere and, and that kind of thing so yeah I've obviously I've been before but even still coming over here it's still still a bit of a shock and then yeah look obviously it's quite hot and um, then in terms of on field yeah it's just crowds I know obviously the girls some of the girls played in that final so they played in front of them you know 86,000 or whatever it was at the MCG but for um, you know some of us as well this is the biggest crowd we've, we've played in front of um, which has been really cool you know, they're obviously very passionate and, and they, every single run they they cheer on so uh yeah it's it's been awesome and it's it's a really cool place to come visit yeah nice i think we saw saw on instagram um yesterday maybe that you got out and about with some of the girls what did you guys get up to yeah so we we got out and about a bit we just went for um we went for went out for breakfast and then um went to see the gateway of india and uh yeah kind of just had a stroll around, which is really cool. Yeah, look, it's, as I said before, it's it's such a cool place to kind of get out and about and it's just so different. So, yeah, it was nice to be able to kind of do those things on, on your off days and um, yeah. switch off from cricket a bit, I suppose. Yeah, nice. Um, so, Kim, just wanted to kind of hear from you, like a little bit about your early life and you, um, your upbringing in Ireland. So are you able to just give us a bit of a snapshot snapshot of your uh, upbringing in, in Dublin? Yeah, um, well, yeah, as you said, I grew up in, in Dublin and Blackrock in, in Dublin and, yeah, it had... I have two brothers, an older brother, a younger brother, and, and my parents as well, obviously, who, yeah, very um, cricket-oriented family. I guess we all mm. played cricket at some stage. And, yeah, I just I grew up um, playing sport, loved playing sport, played cricket in the summer and then um, football in the winter. So, yeah, just I was a real tomboy, I guess, and um, was always, yeah, 
involved in some sort of some sort of sport and and yeah then once I finished school I went straight into uni to do a degree in sports management and then from there I suppose I, I started spending the the winters the Irish winters in Australia and like obviously you come from a cricket family but did many of your friends in that play cricket as well yeah not really not like school friends or any of, or any of that kind of um proud they didn't play cricket obviously you've got all your cricket friends but yeah it's very like oh it certainly was 10 10 15 years ago that if you can't only really got into cricket through through your family i think now nowadays you can there's a lot of uh, organizations try and get into the schools mm. a bit more and and try and just get get more players playing that way but yeah um still quite a family game i suppose and um most most of the time people kind of get through it um get into it sorry through through families which is yeah how i how i got into it and yeah there was certainly nobody in school or anything that played what was generally the reaction from like your schoolmates when you used to tell them that you were a cricketer yeah although they obviously thought it was cool because i said oh like you know i was going to all these cool places um, and went to england i think on my first tour but then not long after that i was off to south africa Bangladesh, sri lanka these kind of places and yeah they had no real grasp i suppose of it and you know what it entailed and that kind of thing they just knew that yeah i played cricket and i got to to go to these cool places and then yeah i think we had a home series against bangladesh and a few of my school friends left but or sorry came but uh, yeah i had had absolutely no idea what was going on and just kind of came (laughs) to to support me and i think they still still don't really get it but um (laughs) we're we're getting there Kim, what was it like when you were growing up what was it that kind of kept you coming back to cricket like when none of your schoolmates played what was it that you really loved about the game it's a good question um our cricket clubs are and it's the same with pretty much all the cricket clubs back home like it's very social like everyone knows everyone you go down on a Saturday and you support the teams and you stay around in the evening and I just had such fun memories of going down in summer and literally spending all day down there and it's the same during the week we used to have like a little academy you know at 10 10 o'clock in the morning till lunchtime and and then a lot of us would stay down there and then we'd have to train again in the evening or games in the evening so yeah I guess it was just like my my life in the summer I just used to love spending time there hanging out with friends and um yeah, yeah just playing cricket and yeah I guess it was it was all I kind of knew and and just loved um yeah I loved being around and, and and that kind of thing and then in the winter it turned to football but yeah cricket was always kind of where I spent most of my time and yeah I guess having that social side of things really helped as well. Did you ever want to be a professional footballer? <laughs> Not really although actually in the so I played like football as in soccer growing up the whole way and yeah. then um in, through school got into to go with football and um, yeah. It was in 2014, I think there was a T20 World Cup on, and at the same time, I got picked to play um, representative Gaelic football. Um, oh. And the two, basically, I wasn't allowed to play both, which I thought I would be in. I had to choose, Damn. but uh, I was actually in my final year of of school, um, and I actually decided to to stick with the Gaelic and, and miss the World Cup. Um, oh. <laughs> with um yeah obviously being in the last year of school and it was going to be yeah. a kind of crucial time and Fair enough. I wanted to go to uni and that kind of thing so I obviously wanted to do well in my exams but yeah also ended up um playing Gaelic as well that year I think that kind of raised a few eyebrows it was almost like, like well Kim's picked Gaelic over cricket but yeah it was a bit of a combination of school and Gaelic I guess but yeah no there was never it was pretty 
quickly after that, that I was back into cricket and, and kind of, you know, um, it was that was my main focus. And you, you talked about school. What was it like when you made your debut for Ireland when you were 14 and, and you were trying to combine cricket and, and school and everything else? Yeah, it wasn't too bad, to be honest. Like, um, we kind of had the tours back then were um, sporadic, I guess. it's They weren't, you know, I was only on tour maybe once or twice during the school year. And then it's not like the girls have to, like, you know, I look at some of the young kids in the Victorian squad, like Reese McKenna's just finished school and it's like, popping in and out of school every day it really wasn't like that because obviously the girls it was like you used to train once you know go to gym sometimes early in the morning uh, and then train once once or twice a week at night so it was it was relatively um easy um and then yeah when the when the tours did clash with school it was it was a nice result and do you still keep in touch with any of your former Irish teammates yeah yeah I do yeah there's there'll be a few the team's actually changed a a good bit over the last few years but yeah, yeah there's still um Still a few of the girls that are there when I was there. And yeah, it would be, be in pretty regular contact, which is which is really cool. And just um, talking about the move you made to Australia in um, 2020, was that something you'd been thinking about for a while before you, you decided you were going to do it? Yeah, it definitely was. Um, probably been thinking about it for like six months or a year and uh, yeah, just couldn't really make up my mind and then kind of spoke to a few people and then it was almost like a now and everything, I suppose, in that uh, I was 23 and it was going to take three years or... I was 22 it was going to take three years to for me to qualify to be a local so I was just kind of like okay well if I don't do it now I'm never going to do it and yeah I suppose I just didn't want to have any regrets looking back on um, my career or what could have been my career and made the move but yeah it certainly wasn't easy obviously leaving family and friends behind and, and moving yeah. your life to the opposite side of the world but um, yeah it's definitely something um, I put a lot of thought into. Yeah. So was it something that you sort of discussed with your your parents and your family and your friends or did like, were you kind of thinking about it and then had to break the news to them? Yeah. Um, I kind of discussed it a good bit with uh, my parents and yeah, um, they were obviously fully supportive. I think <laughs> obviously their mum especially and, and dad as well, I suppose. Good at that, you know, the prospect of me moving to the other side of the world, but mm. yeah, look, they were were fully supportive and and you know, knew how much my cricket meant to me and uh, knew as well I suppose the just what the, what the setup is like in Australia and, and how advanced it is and all that kind of thing and yeah they were very supportive um, of that so that definitely made it easier. So um, Em and I are two Victorians here. Um, so what made you choose Melbourne? Yeah, um, well I had played a couple of seasons with um, Dandenong. Um, so when I first finished uni, I was actually going to go play club cricket in Sydney, and then kind of between two clubs, and then mm. uh, kind of just worked out Dandy. Um, yeah, they were very accommodating and were really keen to have me, and and had put a lot of kind of plans in place and accommodation and cars and all that kind of stuff and. Um, yeah, they just seemed like a really good club. So I was like, right, it's meant to be. It's, it's I'm going to pick these guys and um, yeah, settled in right away there. It's a, it's a really good club um, and 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 great people as well. And and that certainly they certainly helped uh, me settle into to Victorian living, I suppose. And uh, and and you know, obviously I didn't know back then, but yeah, they, they definitely helped um, my journey over here. And uh, so yeah, I suppose to answer your question from just playing at Dandy a couple of couple of years and, and then feeling like I'd kind of established myself over here and had like some friends over here and, and just kind of knew my way around Victoria and, and then Melbourne obviously just living around here I thought it was kind of the easiest um route to take and then yeah I had a couple of meetings with the general manager of, of high performance at the time which was Sean Graff and they're pretty pretty keen to get me on board so it all kind of just fell into place really and, and worked out really well nice nice yeah I reckon reckon you made the right call um have you <laughs> yeah. enjoy, have you enjoyed living in Melbourne and 
Do you have an AFL team yet? Yes, I absolutely love living in Melbourne. It's it's, it's such a cool city. Um, like it's obviously for people who love sport, it's it's incredible. And I live down in southeast Melbourne and Bayside, which is really cool. It's such a good spot. And yeah, just the lifestyle of you know, five minutes from the beach and uh, it's definitely something I'll, I'll never get sick of. And yeah, I love the footy too. Go for for Carlton uh, for the Blues. That's my uh, team. Uh, yes. Um, <laughs> so good yeah, to hear. But, um, I got quite into the footy over COVID. I suppose having nothing else to do, I used to yeah. just watch every every game of every round, and um, yeah, developed a real um, a real love for it. So um, yeah, I'm, I'm an avid avid blue supporter, and um, I think this is our year. <laughs> yes, <laughs> it is. Uh, they definitely do. Yes. So how good were the Victorian girls at welcoming you in once you took up that contract and joined them there? Yeah, really good. Um, I played club cricket with a few of them, um, Nicole Fulton, and, and I played a bit with with Sophie Molyneux and, and Lucy Cripps as well. Um, probably not as much as Nick, but um, yeah, I was obviously very nervous um, coming into a new environment. And, you know, six or seven. I think that in my first year, I actually had eight who had played for Australia, but yeah. six on central contracts. So um, it was, yeah, it was pretty, I was pretty worried, pretty scared, but it, yeah, it definitely didn't take me long to settle in there. Or um, Honestly, a really, really cool bunch of girls and, very welcoming and yeah right my close mates a lot of them are, are my close mates today so um it's uh it's an awesome group and yeah it, it didn't take me long to to settle in obviously you can't you made the move to be a professional full-time cricketer which is something that wasn't available in Ireland how much of a difference yeah. has that made to your cricket like do you think it's made you comfortably a better cricketer yeah yeah definitely there's there's no doubts about that I think yeah just I was just it's pretty obvious, but the increased training hours has 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 made a big difference, and um, also just playing consistently really really good cricket. I think the problem yeah. it's it's not so much of a problem for many more, which is awesome. But you know, we 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 only played like I, I played 114 games. I think it was for Ireland over 10 years. I probably played Australia three times. You know what I mean? They just yeah. When I played for Ireland, we just weren't playing the best teams anywhere near consistently enough. Whereas over here, obviously domestic stuff is just um the setup is so strong so you're just playing like consistently really good cricket and I think that obviously combined with just being able to fully dedicate yourself as cricketer and, and to training you know almost every day it's um yeah definitely definitely helped. I guess one thing you couldn't have predicted when you were making the move was that COVID would hit um how tough was it dealing with lockdowns and not being able to get home for so long yeah it was um it was very tough yeah I remember I remember so vividly like reading the daily mail not that the daily mail know anything but um, <laughs> I remember it was like they looking at the fact that they had said um that the borders were going to close for six months this was really early on and I was like no mm. way like that's, there's no way the borders going to close for that long like it's the daily mail don't don't listen to them and then whatever it was, two years later, and we were oh. still still having troubles with it. Um, so yeah, it was definitely tough. I think the toughest part was just not knowing like when the end was inside and like when I was going to see my family and and that kind of thing. That was um, that was quite difficult. But yeah, it, it obviously wasn't ideal. But um, it was we were able to very lucky to still be able to train through COVID. So we got exemptions and that kind of thing, which which thank thank goodness for that because yeah I think if we weren't able to train I'm not sure I would have been able to stick it out for too long but yeah it definitely helped help the days help the days pass and um kept me occupied for you know five days a week we were just looking for excuses to get in there to to do some sort of training so um yeah it was it was it was obviously very difficult not being able to see family and and even then you know when you go home from training not really um 
you know, obviously a lot of the girls are going home to their family and kind mm. of isolating with their family. Um, I find that very difficult. Um, but yeah, look, here we are. I stuck it out and um, very thankful that I did. Yeah. And I guess we sort of saw the fruits of all the sacrifices the other night when um, we saw Elise Perry hand you your Aussie cap. Has it, has it sunk in yet? Um, yeah, I, I don't think it really has, to be honest. Um, I think over the, from when I got told that I was coming on tour and like that kind of period, I was, it was the end of Big Bash and then we had a kind of couple of days off and then we got back into training and then we were on the plane. So that was kind of a whirlwind few weeks. And then obviously straight into training here in India. And then, yeah, I suppose once I did make my debut and, and presented me a cap and I got to look back on the videos and all that kind of stuff and had so many nice messages, I suppose then it's, it, it was, I kind of had a, a day or two to reflect on how cool the, the, the journey um has been and yeah I, I suppose it's it still hasn't really sunk in but I have had a bit of time to to reflect on that and yeah just how cool the whole thing was and, and to have Pez there presenting it me and my cap well, yeah it was it was honestly awesome and um that's something I'll have with me now for for the rest of my life whether I play another you know 50 games or another two games or, or no more games it's, it's it's a very special memory I guess which is which is awesome yeah it was an awesome cap presentation from Pez um, obviously she's a been a teammate of yours in the WBBL, WNCL, now for Australia. Has she been a, a big support to you over the years? Yeah, she has um, definitely. I think particularly over the last kind of two seasons and, and the last season in particular. Um, obviously, pretty daunting when you come over and you're thinking, well, Elise Perry is going to be in your team. But um, mm-hmm. even right from those sixes days, she was very welcoming. And then, yeah, when when um, got contracted with Victoria from. A couple of years ago, you know, she was obviously very welcoming again straight away and someone that, you know, uh, no problem reaching out to and, and asking for help about my cricket or, or anything off field. You know, she's she's an absolute superstar on field and their stats speak for themselves and, and their record speaks for itself. But um, off field as well, you know, she's a real good teammate and a, and a good friend. And yeah, she's been uh, awesome over the last years. And as I said, yeah, the last kind of year in particular, she's... Um, yeah, she's been a real help and a, and a real porter to me, I suppose, which which has been really cool. And she mentioned a bit of Irish white line fever. Is there, is there much truth in that? <laughs> yeah, I think um, for anyone who knows me knows I'm, I'm quite a, an emotional cricketer and um, probably let, let it get the better of me sometimes and, and, and wear my heart in my sleeve a bit. So, yeah, there's, there's probably a bit of a white line fever there. Um, but as I told tried to tell the, the girls when I came into the group, I'm actually really nice off the field. And, and <laughs> I know I always look pretty, pretty scary and pretty angry on the field but um now I'm, I'm yeah it is it's definitely just once I crossed that white line <laughs> and how special has it been having your parents here in India um for your debut yeah it's been it's been absolutely awesome yeah I think they kind of came over just thinking okay well it's, it's halfway between Ireland and Australia we'll get nice. to see her and, and and if she if she plays any cricket then that's an absolute bonus but if not we'll get to see her and, and be there for her um on her first tour and, and the way I suppose it's kind of worked out and they got to see me debut and then got to see that super over game the other day. They've absolutely loved it. And yeah, it's been, it's been awesome for them to, to kind of be around the group and just see what it's all like, I suppose, and, and be there for, for that first cap, which um, I think they weren't obviously sure coming over there and here for, I think three games. If, if I was going to play at all or if I was going to play in that space of time. And yeah, I guess they've, yeah, they're so pumped that they've already seen two games and been here for my debut. And um, yeah, they've absolutely loved it. Yeah, it's, it's definitely been awesome having them here. And yeah, I suppose it makes kind of the last couple of years worthwhile. Yeah, definitely. I guess that's worked out perfectly that they were able to see that. So good. Um, so once yeah. you had the once you had the hat in your hand, on your head, like, and it was ready to go um, for the games, like how was the experience of slotting into the 11 with the Aussies and I guess playing 
with one of the best teams in the world like did you just love it yeah it was it was honestly so cool I was I was very very nervous I'm a pretty nervous cricketer as is but um yeah I think I knew I was probably going to be bowling the second over of that first game yeah. and honestly like waiting for that first over, I actually thought I was going to get sick at one stage I was so <laughs> nervous um, but um yeah it was it was an awesome experience it was really really cool and yeah I suppose just um, playing in front of that crowd as well it's like every time I got hit for for, for a, like a single run they would just um, <laughs> go crazy I literally it was it was quite daunting actually I suppose I feel like not helpless but I suppose when you know you usually got your your teammates to you can yeah. hear cheering you on but you literally can't hear someone standing next to you talking and yeah, you go you know, twenty eight thousand or forty five thousand people the second day, um, screaming for the other the other team. Um, but it was it was a really, really cool experience. And yeah, it's been it's been really fun so far. Yeah, thinking back to when you played your one hundredth game for Ireland, which is I think against Australia in twenty eighteen. Um yeah. I guess you never thought one day you'd be playing for the uh, green and gold. Yeah, certainly not. It's it's kind of crazy how it's all worked out really. Um yeah, like as you said, it wasn't too long ago that I felt like I was making my my hundredth or sorry playing my hundredth game for Ireland um and yeah here I am kind of it's funny how these things kind of work out but playing for Australia but yeah look it's it's so cool being part of this team and you know usually if you and not saying that first game you look up and you think you're chasing you know 180 or or 175 or whatever it was mm. and it's a bit of a daunting task but uh, for the girls to to go out there and, and chase it one day with with two overs to spare I think it was kind of had a moment then where I was like you know obviously you knew looking in at the team from outside that they're obviously very good and 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 been so successful for for so long but then to be I guess on the inside and 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 be part of it and yeah just sit in that dugout and kind of watch the girls go about it it's um it's been really cool really really cool yeah I guess on a similar note Kim like we know everyone knows how dominant and how good this team is like they just rarely lose they won so many world cups commonwealth games medals like what's it been like yeah. sort of coming into the environment for the first time and does anything sort of stand out as to why they're so good and have had so much success? Yeah, um, yeah, it's, it's a good question. It's it's obviously very, very cool. You know, you think they're sort of like, they obviously are a very good team and you're looking at them, they're like, they've, they've, as you say, ready to lose had so much success. But um, I suppose once you're actually in the team, you kind of realise, yeah, that they're just a really cool bunch of girls who, I absolutely love playing cricket and, and love playing together and that, and that really sticks out. But also, I guess, obviously, they're very talented individual cricketers and they just kind of seem to know how to to win and, and pull pull games back from any scenario. And I guess they just, from being so successful, sounds a bit cliche, but like they know how to win and kind of really good at recognising those little moments in the game and, and uh, yeah, just being able to, to shift momentum kind of when it needs to, to be shifted and, and and that kind of thing. But, yeah, it's, it's you know, it's an incredible incredible group of players and um, can certainly see why they've been very successful and hopefully will will continue to be so successful. Oh, nice. Oh, that's, yeah, that's awesome to hear. Oh, Kim, well, thank you so much for joining us, joining us on the scoop today. It's been, it's been great to chat and great to hear in a bit more detail about your awesome backstory. We're totally, we're pumped to see you in the green and gold and hope it continues for many years to come and hope you enjoy the rest of your time in India. Go well. Awesome. Thanks so much for having me guys. Sit back and enjoy the stroke play of Meg Lanning. This is excellent batting by Ash Gardner. Donaldson strikes again. She's on a hat-trick. She comes at Molyneux. Catch is taken by Perry. The Australian women's cricket team win their fifth T20 World Cup title in front of a magical crowd at the MCG.
Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.